everybody, and welcome back to Crosswires. Today, I am Jay, so I am the host for today. But also, I have some news for you. Apparently, Squadcast is deck verified because my co-host, James Billsbra, is recording from a Steam Deck. Hey, James, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, Jay. Yes, I am. I'm doing good. So the story behind this is... I all, so I'm currently visiting my parents for Christmas. Now, this is entirely my own fault. I forgot to block my calendar for the time that I was up here. And two wonderful guests booked slots in, in our calendar for recording. It's like, I'm not going to say no. So I'll take everything up with me. But plan was to record on the iPad. Well, the vocaster, well, no, do you know what? iOS and audio still not great. No, yeah. No squadcast problem, not a, you know, not probably a vocaster problem, an iPad problem. So I thought, well, hang on. I've got this fully featured Linux desktop, and these are class-compliant devices. It worked. After changing a few audio settings, uh, Linux has far better support for multi-channel audio than Windows does. Yes! Uh, not as good as macOS, maybe, but we had to tweak a few things. But yeah, so I'm, I'm recording on Steam Deck, which is why when you see the squad shot, you will notice my normal setup. It is gone. I am in my parents' sort of like study. And what's interesting is looking at the video, it looks like you're at a, a desktop. I mean, you are, but it doesn't look as if you're on like a tablet. And I love that. It shows how versatile the, the, the deck is. Oh, yeah. No, it, it really does. You would never have guessed it's a Steam Deck. No. Um, so, but, I mean, this is literally a Logitech. Oh, it's a, I don't know which cam. I mean, someone can tell me actually from, uh, I think it's a C. It's a C something, maybe C two seventy webcam. On yeah, mine's saying unknown a, camera, so must I have a driver okay. on? Linux. Fine, fine. But it's it's, it's mounted, a camera. It's a camera, USB camera on top of a, a TV. So my deck is plugged in through the dog into a TV. So I've got the TV as a monitor. Yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, Jay, we should probably introduce our guest. Oh yes, to, today's uh, guest talking talking about the Steam Deck is Noah Kapetsky from Steam Deck HQ. How are you doing, Noah? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. It's been a good day so far, so I'm feeling great. How about you guys? Oh, d- doing awesome! And again, I I love the deck. I actually was streaming some some bug snacks, not snacks, oh. bug snacks last night on the deck. Oh, I remember bug snacks. I remember I I used to stream. I used to stream on Twitch, and I got a PS5 on release, and I I streamed bug snacks on release day. That was it's a really crazy. It's a I don't know what to say about the game. It's just a really weird game. I know. I'm actually, I'm going to be playing some more on my next stream because I can't get enough of bug snacks. It's, it's so funny. I, I lose it every time Bunger comes on screen. Bunger, Bunger, Bunger. Just, yes, we do. Yeah, bunger, 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 Bunger. Absolutely floors me. And I'm over in one of the, I'm in the Asan one and the barbecue Bunger's going, Bunger, Bunger, Bunger. Like, ah! And it's just so. <laughs> so, so Noah, wh- what do you do? And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, uh, Noah, 26, I'm 26, and uh, I created Steam Deck HQ, which is like a website that is a, what I wanted to create, a Steam Deck hub. Uh, it's a place where you can go to find out how games run on the Steam Deck, optimize settings for it, and a little bit writing of you know the process and how we we got to the conclusion that we got to with our settings and our our rating. Uh, we also curate news on there, all relating to the Steam Deck, and create guides so people can get the most out of their decks as well. Started it about six months ago. Actually, it was definitely six months ago because we hit that mark two days ago. Nice. And it's been it's been insane. <laughs> and, 
Um, I mean, I mean, personally, I've been gaming since I can remember, and I've always, I've always loved portable gaming. Like, I, I got into PC gaming around the PS3 era, and I started to really stick with it around then. Yeah. But there was something about like having the DS, the PSP, my Game Boy Advance, which I lost my copy of uh, Super Mario Brother or Super Mario World Two in New Zealand when I went on a trip, and I still am salty about it. I mean, I, I once once the Steam Deck was announced, it was like it was like the perfect amalgamation or the perfect melding of PC and portable, and I was I was hooked on it. Would I assume that that's what got you into creating content about this? The Steam Deck was just like the passion you had for this device. I think so. I mean, I I love I love PC gaming. The entire atmosphere is something that I've always loved. Then they brought in portable, which I. I have so many fond memories of like taking my devices on the go and it feeling like it feels like games are much more, much more rewarding to play. If you can take them with you, it's not, you don't have to sit down at, at your desk and play that way. You can actually move around and take it with you place. I I felt like it was a much more meaningful experience. That was one reason why um, I actually got went all in on the PS3 in the PlayStation Vita because I loved being able to take your PlayStation 3 games with oh, yeah. you. Like one of my favorite games is still Sly Cooper, A Thief in Time, where you are going, mm-hmm. you can copy your, your game save between your PS3 and your Vita. And it was just so cool. Yeah. Like I would be at, at work on break at work playing playing <laughs> and then going home and then playing some more and then I could, I would go to bed and I'd be playing the Vita in bed it was just the best the biggest thing I hate about the Vita though and I think I remember hearing on the remaster podcast what someone from Sony even said back this is back when the Switch came out that Sony did not support the Vita like they should have. The developer support and the game support for the Vita was just not there. And that yeah. was the my biggest complaint about it. Because it was a great device. It was like, an, I think, an MLED screen. It was like really cool. Yeah. No, I, I was, the screen absolutely stunned me. It still does to this day because even the deck doesn't have an OLED scope. Yeah. You know, that's something I feel like if they're going to do another, their next iteration, which I'm sure they're going to do, I really hope they heavily consider an OLED screen. I really hope so. And it's not, it's not a bad screen. It's just, it's not OLED. It's, yeah. It, I mean, if you like, if you use like Decky Loader or Crankshaft, there's a vibrant plugin where you can increase the saturation of the screen and it kind of emulates like the, the higher color gamut of OLED. And it's, it's a night and day difference. Even something so slight, the colors just pop. And, you know, we're talking about hardware and all, you know, portable gaming, you know, but every time I look at my deck, there's one thing that comes to me and it's there's certain little bits and it's it's the bottom the bottom edges, the bottom curves remind me so much of Sega's Game Gear. You're right. I, I could see that. I got one of those I for Christmas. Because my sister uh had had one and I got it for Christmas one year and um this back like in the I think I think it was the late nineties or the early nineties. I'm trying to remember um, if, if it was then, but I had the satellite, um, re- receptors for it. It was so cool being somewhere with watching the portable TV on the go. Oh, the on TV my game tuner. Game. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then I went from I that. I borrowed one from a friend. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, now you can do that on the deck, but you know, for Game Gear, look, you know, people joke about the steep, the deck's battery life. 
the Game Gear was just the ultimate battery eater. This thing eight <laughs> AA batteries. It was. I re- I remember I only played that just one a plugged too in. Much. Yeah, <laughs> and you have to admit it is pretty incredible. When I first saw the Steam Deck, because for transparency for listeners, um, James and I both have Steam Decks. Mm-hmm. It is it's actually now our our gaming PCs for when we do our streams. Yeah. That it is pretty incredible. Like when I first saw it, I was like, that looks just like the Switch. Because I've got a Switch and a Steam Deck on my desk. Because I, I do not emulate Nintendo games that are available uh, on on the Switch. Because I I, I want to support N- Nintendo and the developers who have brought their their stuff to the Switch. Mm-hmm. But um, I use that for the for for my Nintendo games. But then I'm playing other games on on the Steam Deck. I am just amazed mm-hmm. at how well this device plays games. I was playing Uncharted. Four, which I did never expect to play that again because I used to be a PlayStation person. Then I came over to the PC side, and I'm not playing a PlayStation right now because I don't have enough time to justify paying $500 for a PS5 or PS4. But I love the Uncharted games. And now I'm playing that on a portable device. It is mind-blowing. So let's talk about the hardware of a deck. uh, So Noah, maybe for our listeners who've not, picked up a deck you've not seen one what have valve done here because this isn't some underpowered and i'm being very careful what i say here because i don't want to get um the wrath (laughs) of any uh, you know particularly keyboard companies who may have released a device or you know things like this is not just a tablet with cloud gaming what have valve done that makes this hardware so special well, I think the biggest thing, and we've kind of talked about it, is it is a full computer. It is not just a tablet that you can hold in your hands where you can play, where you can stream games, which I will give it credit. Streaming games is, or like cloud gaming, is coming very mm. far. I wouldn't say it's ready for consumer, like for mass consumption just yet. There's still some problems to think out, and not everyone has that kind of bandwidth where they can comfortably stream games but that's why that's why i love the steam deck more is because they don't do that or they don't rely on that for gaming uh so it's a full computer that they have in there uh using a custom apu from amd and they've put it together so well and used parts that work together very well to create a highly configurable interface where you can get games that seem impossible to run like uncharted 4 for instance because that is insane that you can play that game and it looks good it does if you modify the settings enough it looks phenomenal and you're playing it in the palm of your hands and that that's incredible to me so is it is it worth saying this thing will even play cyberpunk 2077 oh man that one i'm we're still we're still going through it because uh they released the new patch and that added in uh fsr 2.1 support and we had we had a whole list of settings that we did, and then of course FSR release and just changed everything. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so we kind of had to trash that one, and we're working on it again. Um, it's taking a little bit longer because I really want to play through it and make sure that we hit every mark that we can. I don't want to recommend settings that aren't tested thoroughly. Honestly, I I I got it. I played it on my computer maybe for like ten or twenty minutes when it first came out. Got it on the Steam Deck. I've been playing it for hours. Like it's it's a night and day difference. I I don't think I could play it on my desktop anymore. I would say that's probably one aspect of the Steam Deck I will agree with. That compared to like 
like a Switch compared to even like the, the Vita or a console or a desktop machine, there is some tweaking involved. You have to tweak games. Yes. Like I, I had to install an experimental version of Proton so I could get Spyro mm-hmm. to run because I was having issues with Spyro talking to me in a foreign language every single time I went to a cutscene. <laughs> and I finally had to like install a script. I had to do all these things. There are some aspects that are not quite there. So I would just say, be warned. But there are a bunch of guides out there. Like I've got all my information from like Proton DB, uh, Steam Deck HQ. I got a lot of guides and how to do it. So definitely know that you're not going into this alone. People have gone before, but there are disadvantages for now. Yeah. But I'm impressed at where we're at. No, I, I mean, being able to get to the point we're at with, with games, even though it takes some tweaking, being able to get to that point and have it be playable is phenomenal. And you actually brought up two really good points. Was the Spyro game your time? Was that the Reignited trilogy? Yes. That's so odd. See, I didn't, I didn't have that issue, but that also, uh, kind of goes into another reason why I created SDHQ is because that game is rated verified. If I remember correctly. Yes. So there are games on the store that are rated verified that do still have issues. And I don't 100% trust their rating, but I, I don't know how they test it. I just don't think this, it's as thorough as it needs to be. Like, for example, Ninja Gain Sigma 2. Uh, charging up any of your attacks will immediately shoot over graphical artifacting on screen. Like really bad artifacting. And that's a verified game. Like that's there's no way that should be verified. No, not at all. So that's another reason why I wanted to create SDHQ is to actually provide uh, thorough feedback of these games. And I've always hated, or uh, not hate, hated is a very strong word, uh, but I haven't enjoyed Valve's wording when it comes to verified games because they also market them as like great experiences, which. Even even if a game can be a great experience, but you have to tweak it, to me that's not a great experience. No, because they they don't really they don't really mention anything about you needing to change anything. It's more about it seems like you could just play it right out of the box, which isn't always the case. No, it's yeah, it, exactly. And and there are games that are unsupported by their rating that I'm actually able to get like working amazing. through some yeah like. Okay, so some may require just that mode, or some maybe there's different things you have to do. But hey, it is that's still incredible. And I think one of the things that I'm very impressed at is I did try years ago to go from Windows to Linux, and I tried only using Linux in Wine. Let me just say that within a day, I quickly came back to Windows. <laughs> this was before I got my Mac, and I have to say, like. I'm impressed because even on the Mac side, there's a lot of things that are still not supported on games. We have to try to use mm-hmm. like crossover and cross and things like that that do a great job, but they require a lot of things. And I'm impressed at what Valve's done to translate all of the software, yeah, all the software behind the scenes that's tied to Windows mm-hmm. to run on a Linux machine. That's still, I don't know how that's working. I mean, I know there's a lot of like science to it, but it's still. I don't get it. It's it's phenomenal the way that they did it of creating the proton compatibility layer to to translate over these these commands over to to Linux and Vulkan. It's it's incredible. 
And I also love the fact that they made it open source. Yes. And that's, that's another huge thing because their, their experimental branch does a lot, but uh, one of the other Proton branches that we use in a lot of our settings and for are necessary for some other games is Proton GE. Which was a fork created by Glorious Eggroll. Yes. And he, he's able to update the gits of like, uh, VK D3D and, um, uh, well, DXVK much more quickly and add in some other patches or unofficial, uh, proton fixes that Valve can't do or just hasn't done yet and allows a lot of other games to be run that wouldn't normally be able to run before. And I think that brings up an interesting point about Valve compared to some other console makers. Valve is incredibly open yeah. at the software level that it uses the, the Steam architecture of like the app and all that and the, and the services as like its foundation. But you can do anything with it. Like you can load up plugins like Decky Loader in gaming mode. Mm-hmm. You can go to desktop mode. You can modify things. You can use any, any dock out there. That's a USB-C dock, as long as it works with the Steam Deck. I mean, people have done stuff. Mm-hmm. You can do that. You can even open up the 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 case, and they have a list of, here's what you can do. That will not void your warranty. Here's what you can do. People have upgraded mm-hmm. the SSDs. And they even have, like, an iFixit guide and, and an iFixit yeah. compatibility with that, along with repair centers. I'm like, that's, from a developer, a console maker, it's pretty incredible that they'll let you do that. Yeah. Also run other stores on their device. Like like you can use the Heroic Launch. I was going to mention that, yeah. Like I don't know I don't know any company that would willingly like unless there was a mass consumer push, would willingly want to put like other storefronts on their device if, you know, the, the original storefront maker was making the device. Yeah. So the fact the fact that Valve made a desktop mode where you are able to do that and they fully open it up to where you can, I think is just absolutely incredible. It, it, it is amazing. Now, there are some limitations at yes. a deeper Linux level. I think the mm-hmm. file, the, the OS file system is is read only, but so it just means you can't install as much. But um, is it um, is it the Discover Store? Yeah has a lot of you know a lot of really good good stuff in there i don't think i don't think i found anything that i wouldn't like i don't think i found an app or a program that i wanted to install but haven't been able to yet like everything's been pretty solid so far for on my end at least i I, there's a few things i I need to try and i haven't done half as much of as jay has yet though jay and and obviously guides you know for yourselves are going to help before we move too much on into the software because there's so much we want to talk about like software plugins i just want to quickly touch a little bit on the on the hardware the or rather the the price points of the deck because yes it's actually something that's worth discussing um and i say this because you know look um my sister's potentially considering one for my nephew uh because gaming laptops are overpriced for for to deliver the same sort of performance so there's effectively three models right there's the 64 gig mm-hmm. which is emmc storage so not a true ssd mm-hmm and then there's a 256 and a 512. Now, um, we, me and Jay have both got the 512s. Now, what, what, 
do people need to be aware of on the different models, like a bit different price points? Because are there any gotchas you might want to consider? Should everyone go for the 512 or are there reasons you might consider a 64? So I think when it comes to the deck, at least choosing a model, the first thing you should think about is uh, what kind of storage you're going to want or how many games you're going to have. That's that's one of the big things. If you're someone who's already on Steam and you have a PC and you've been playing games on Steam, then you probably have a library already that's going to be immediately available for the Steam Deck. I'm someone who has, uh, when I first got the deck, I had 3,500 games. Okay. I knew I was going to get. I knew I was going to get the 512. There was just no way, no way around that. But honestly, the the price point is very, very competitive for all the models. I would say, like, mm. uh, we've been. I've been looking at the Ioneo and GPD Win and. Just the $400 for the base model, for if you're just doing casual gaming, I think still fits really well. Um, but if you plan to, I would say if you plan to play any games that are a little bit more on the higher end side, like if you want to try playing Grand Theft Auto, Cyberpunk, uh, Red Dead 2, I would definitely say the 256 for like $530 US at least is probably where you would want to start just because of the faster faster ssd and if i would say if you don't want to open up your deck if you're trying your hardest to not modify it internally whether it be because you just don't want to switch out valve approved parts or you don't want to risk anything uh, the 512 for 650 is still a very very competitive price for what you're for what you're getting and of course, you can add a micro. Um, in fact, we both have had my, added micro SD cards. And but one thing that amazed me is, yeah, you definitely see a drop in load times, but games are playable off an SD micro SD card. Yeah, oh yeah, which is pretty incredible because now, I mean, we both have one terabyte decks. Really, <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got a one terabyte micro SD in there, and I've got a second one that's just waiting to be hot swapped. Oh, nice! And then add in a dock. With a, like an M2 SSD enclosure in it. Oh, God. The M2 enclosure. Or, like, if you get one of the, one of just a USB C hubs, they usually have a micro SD and an SD card slot in there, too. So if you got two more one terabyte SD cards, you could expand the, the deck storage by two terabytes. Wait a second. I hadn't Doesn't, thought about that. Funny enough, that was, uh, one of the things, so one one of the things I just covered with JSOX was their uh, mod mod case, the new yes. modular case oh, that yes. they're coming out. That with. looks nice. And one of the, oh, I'm so excited! I I had a very nice. They answered a lot of my questions as I was writing the article because I had so many specifics, like the angle of the stand and the the size of the power bank and all that. Um, one of the things that I wanted to clarify with them was the hub attachment, which phenomenal. Like and it does have a micro SD and an SD card slot on that hub that attaches to the back, which I was I was floored by. Like they have an eleven in one hub that's just smack on the back right there. So I'm using a I'm I'm using a uh, Valve the official Steam Dock. Mm-hmm. Me too. And I will say I am impressed. One of the reasons I'm impressed is because unlike a lot of USB C docks on the market. It does mm-hmm. come with a additional power supply. So yes, it's eighty dollars, mm-hmm. but actually you do get another forty-five watt charger, and it's Which got. Is, it is really nice. Yeah, it's got gigabit Ethernet. It's it's got Display Port. It's got three USBs, which mm-hmm. 
Just one more, please, Valve, because actually yeah. right now, <laughs> like literally because I've got the camera and the interface connected, I'm having to use the trackpad on the Steam Deck as my mouse because I haven't got <laughs> enough USB ports for a mouse. Um, and now, correct me if I'm wrong, because, again, this is just a X64-based PC, Linux PC, but it's USB-C compliant, Pretty much any USB-C dongle dock will will work. Yeah, and I I do really like I like Valve's iteration of the dock. I have I think they did really well, and it's definitely the smallest one mm. that's there. Like the all the other competitors, it's a bit big on the bigger side, but um, Valve's is significantly smaller. I think my one criticism of it is it's too small, and specifically the holder of it. So, do I have mine? Do I have mine around here? Yeah, I do. So, with the with the dock itself, the holder can only hold a deck that doesn't have any case on it. Oh, good point. And to me, that is a big thing because you know, with the mod case coming out, I have the kill switch on right now. I've tried the spigging case, and I even a silicone one, and none of them will fit in there. And that's that's probably my biggest complaint about it is I like to have my deck protected on a case level. So not being able to use the dock with it is is a big, big uh, knock against it for me personally. No, no, no. I, I, it's such a valuable device and obviously such a relatively fragile device. I mean, look, it's well built, but you wouldn't want to drop it in a not unprotected yeah. state. <laughs> yeah. So... T- uh, so many things about the hardware and the software. I um, know. <laughs> so much we could talk about. Like, oh, okay. Ge- okay, genuine question for you both, because you're more, I'm going to start with Noah, but you're more gamer than uh, than I am. Controller, the actual controller on the deck, mm-hmm. Noah. How does it stack up to, so for example, when I'm gaming in desktop, not in desktop, when I'm gaming in dot mode, I tend to use a PS5 controller because I, I got one. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, actually, for the iPad to play Minecraft and games on the iPad. But I'm using that. It works really well. But how does the deck's sort of built-in control stack up, would you would you say? So the, Valve does a couple things that I think were really phenomenal with it on both the hardware and software side regarding the controller. Hardware side, it feels phenomenal. And I honestly would say it's my second favorite controller to use. They really really upgrade the design from the steam controller. I still have the steam control and I just, I, I like what they were trying to do, but I can't get over the, the handles. For some reason they go upwards. Yeah. It feels so uncomfortable. Like if they went down like other controllers, I think it would be phenomenal, but it goes upwards for whatever reason. So they definitely corrected a lot of that. The addition of the two trackpads to be able to emulate like mouse controls is really nice as well. If I had, and oh, and the back buttons are fantastic too. Yes. Um, the one thing I would say gets me a little bit is actually the B button. It's kind of going onto the side. Oh, it yes. Downwards into the handle. Yeah, a I see bit. it. It's yeah. very slight, but because of it, it can get caught every now and then it and it it has for me it, and it's never been like a bad thing where i've had to like like hit the device a little bit to make it pop out i was able to just kind of rub my finger over and it went back up but it is some it is probably like the one thing i would say could be could be fixed a little bit um otherwise though i i love the controller and then there's the whole steam input aspect of it 
which allows you to configure all the controls however you see fit and can do it on a game-by-game basis, uh, which is mind-blowing. And and one thing I, I just remember, because it caught me off guard the first time I was um, playing it in, in non-docked mode, the gyro. Yes. Like motion now, aiming. Go on. Now, I'm sure you've yeah. got some thoughts on this. Oh, so... Ever since, so I, I've played a lot of first-person shooters on it, and I didn't really use gyro nearly as much. Um, but when I and, I and I did test for it when I was when I was doing other games before this. Um, but at the Crisis Remastered trilogy, I reviewed all three of those games. They all have mixed input support, and setting the gyro to emulate a mouse in that game, you can't go back after it. Like mixed input support is phenomenal for gyro aiming, and it's I would say necessary for like actual because when you're when you you can technically make any first person shooter into gyro by emulating it as a joystick, but with mixed input support, it allows you to use keyboard and mouse and gamepad controls at the same exact time, which means you can set your gyro to emulate a mouse while you're using your gamepad controls, which will allow you to like move your character while you're aiming the gyro. Oh, I love that. That's cool. I have not experienced gyro yet, but I, everything I, that time I hear about gyro, I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's honestly, it, I it did. That's probably the one thing that, um, that destroyed a little bit of my experience with high on life. Uh, was it does not have mixed input support. Like, and it's definitely one of those games that if you could just fine-tune your aim a little bit by just flicking the deck up, it would be a night and day difference. How how is that? Pl- how does that play on deck? Because it's a game I'm really considering getting. Honestly, I think it's fantastic. As a game itself, is it is so funny. It is way too funny. And <laughs> especially if you like... Uh, Justin Roiland's humor. If you enjoy yes. Rick and Morty, yeah, this this will be this will be your game. Like yeah. one of the first things, one of the first things that I did, and I mentioned in the review too, because I just I just couldn't stop laughing at that. Was uh, you're going into the first area of the game, and you come across these two aliens guarding a door, and they're talking about who is the more attractive of the alien. And they look like two like doorposts. So one's just red, one's just blue. They look exactly the same, and the red one was like super insecure and just started talking about all he was doing to make himself look more attractive. And one of the things he brought up was he specifically got surgery to stop. <laughs> and I, I just lost, I just lost it at that. I, it was just so funny. It was so funny. I honestly, like from that point, I, I knew I was going to absolutely love the game. And, and, and it does get better. Like that. Well, that was just like the first one where I need to stop myself and just be, put my deck down for a second because I couldn't. I just thought it was so funny. Yeah, I, I am definitely because I'm a huge I'm a huge Rick and yeah. Morty fan. Yeah, yeah. You'll you'll enjoy the humor in the game. Uh, as for performance, I am I I would say 30 frames per second is probably going to be better. 40 is achievable, but you do have to downgrade the graphics a little bit too much for my taste. Whereas with 30 frames per second, you can actually keep a lot of the graphics on high, which I was very happy with. And it keeps the battery, if I remember correctly, it was under 16 or 17 watt drain. So I was I was pleased being able to, to keep a solid 30 with that with that battery life. And it looks phenomenal on there. 
I would definitely say it's playable, and I would. I mean, that's the only way I'll play it. So I would definitely take that to, to mention the software layer is incredible. The fact that like you can turn on a performance overlay to see how games are running. The fact that you can fine tune a game to the frame rate that you want to different things and see what the battery. I mean, to see what the battery input is for data nerds. It's a really cool device. I was turning on during one of the games, what the, the performance overlay and seeing all this stuff going on by. I was like, okay, this is cool. And you can have like, I think there's four or five levels of this. I'm just impressed yeah. at, at the, the level. Cause would I be fair to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is kind of some of the stuff you can do gets in the realm of what you could possibly do with like overclocking or changing the device. No, I mean, Valve Valve has opened up the software side, like we talked about, significantly more than any other device maker has done. Like adding in a performance overlay like that, I don't know any other device other than possibly other mobile PCs that do something similar like that. And it's def- it definitely isn't as easy as going to a menu and changing a slider. And it, there, there's so many other things they did, like being able to change your refresh rate. Now that that's a big one because you mm. can change like a frame rate cap. So like let's say like on on another computer you could change like the frame rate limit to 40. But the refresh rate is still going to be 60 and there's going to be some issues. But being able to change the refresh rate along with the frame rate cap allows you to get a more stable and smooth image. Like 40 frames per second at a 40 refresh rate is significantly better than just capping at 40. Like it, it, it makes the game so much more playable and it feels a lot of the time feels like 40 could be closer to like 45 or 50, which really makes a difference. And this is a lot of what you do at Steam Deck HQ is getting those, those configurations per game. As you said, you're testing and see, okay, what settings mm-hmm. can be put in place. Now, is there a way at the moment to, I don't, correct me if I'm right, is there a way to share those configuration profiles right now? Uh, no, not right now. I do think, I think in the, the Verge interview that Lawrence and Pierre did, uh, they mentioned that they are looking into being able to share the quick access profile. They, I don't think there's going to be, I personally, I don't think there's going to be a way for them to share like the in-game settings. I don't think that's going to be possible just because of how different each game is. But they are looking into being able to share like the power configurations through the quick access menu, which will save some time for sure. Uh, I, there is some good and bad with it. Like I, I think it's a little bit on the bad side for SDHQ just because our quick access settings are tied to the in-game settings pretty heavily. So like one of the things that we do that I I haven't seen many other review or at least setting optimizers do, which I wish they did more, was they take battery life into account much more. We definitely do that. So we have a lot of TDP limits that make sure that the battery will cap at certain points. And there are some games that do drain more than they need to, like Hades. That game, if without the cap, if I remember, drains like 12 watts. But if you set a cap on there, you could bring it down closer to like eight or nine, and it doesn't change performance at all. So we we take that a little bit more into account. And for other games, if we have a TDP limit, we tend to change the in-game settings with it to hit that limit at a stable rate. So it, it, there, there's a lot of good to it for sure. And I think I think for the majority, it's going to be very, very helpful. 
but since our settings are tied so like our in-game settings are tied heavily to like the TDP limits uh, without that context it could be a little bit on the harder side uh, for us at least and and one thing I, f- I forgot to mention when we talk about controllers is how well third party controllers are supported um, yes because so Jay's mm-hmm. yeah Jay you're using an Xbox One controller a beautiful red one um, I am I was impressed at how once I turned it in the entire interface quickly changed to the Xbox like controllers and icons. And I was like, this is a valve device and they're fully good with me using this. <laughs> and James, I was curious when you plug in the, the PS five, does it change to like the PS five yep. icons? That's so cool. not only that, I don't I, no, I don't know if you've used a PS five controller with a deck at this point. Uh, I haven't. I've used a PS4 controller with the deck. I completely forgot to try my PS5 controller. <laughs> but their their support on it's phenomenal, though. But- well, that's what I was going to say. Two things that, that shocked me almost straight away. Our listeners will have to look at a picture, but the trackpad works as a game as a mouse input. Oh, that's cool. That's I didn't know that, but that's fantastic. And gyro support works in this as well. And so does Rumble. It is. I, I'm sure I'm going to cause some debate in in uh, comments and listeners screaming at me right now. I think Sony have done a phenomenal job on this controller for what it is. Hey, <laughs> hey, James. Yeah, I might need to get that purple PS5 controller I showed you. <laughs> we can we can absolutely look at that uh, all for research, of course. But no, it, it's great. <laughs> yeah. now, uh, for research, but, under that pretense, though. Absolutely. That's how all of our budgeting goes around here, for research purposes. <laughs> you know? Sorry, it's a good way takes. to get away with it. Ju- See, I, I buy games for, for work. Absolutely. You know, well, now it's justified. Well, here's the thing. You know, when you are a self-employed, you know, or to be at some point self-employed creator, I love the fact that you can write off games as a tax expense. Yeah, That's one of my no, favorite right? things. So I'm, I'm, I might be a little bit too excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a little bit too excited to be able to actually write that off. Where are we? Okay, okay, so I think it's worth... Jay, we've made a decision that we've gotten rid of our Windows setups, but that's come at a bit of a cost, and it's something I know we wanted to talk with Noah about. So me, 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 me and Jay uh, both were, have, uh, were playing Minecraft, and we were playing this mm-hmm. via Bedrock Edition. I was playing via an iPad or via my boot camp on my Mac. Noah, let, let's tackle Minecraft first, and maybe not just Minecraft, but those games or those launches that maybe are a bit more problematic? So they, there's definitely there's definitely a solid handful of them. I think the one that I hear the most about is Destiny 2, and then Dead by Daylight would be second on that list, Fall Guys... And um, in Minecraft, to a degree, there are ways to play Minecraft on the deck, but not Bedrock. No, I mean we, of, we actually went and got a we actually went and got a Java Minecraft server from Pufferfish, which has Bedrock cl- crossplay, so that our friends could join us to solve that problem. Gotcha. But anyway, sorry, do carry on. Yeah, it's it is it is a little bit difficult at times. Just because, like, there are some big games that I'm sure people would love to be able to play, and it's just not not doable yet. 
like Destiny, but I, I don't think we're going to see Destiny on it. And I know Dead by Daylight, the developers, I've talked with them a little bit. They are working on it still, okay. but they just don't have a time frame yet for when it'll be officially supported. But I, th- I think for the most part, most games that don't seem like they would be able to run can can be configured to run. But it, it is still a little bit disheartening to see to see games that don't work that we get really excited about. Yeah, like I do know there was a talk about like some of the anti-cheat software that, that's currently run. However, there is a movement by some executives at some companies to possibly go through all the red tape to get to work. It just involves those companies having an interest in moving it. And I, that's one of the, that's probably one of the issues with some of the game developer support. I mean, it's why a lot of games for a while weren't on Linux or weren't on Mac was that support. And, and you, you still run against that inside of, of the Steam Deck. I mean, it's not a device that like, you can play everything on, un- unfortunately. We're, we're not mm-hmm. quite there yet, but I'm finding less and less games. And I will say, it's becoming one of my deciding factors when I buy a game. Like, does the developer support it? If not, maybe I just won't play it. No, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely been one of the things that before uh, before the deck came out actually like when it was when i was still waiting for it to be shipped and everything i was looking at games to see which ones would be able to run because i wanted to buy games that i could play on it and it it would it is definitely a deciding factor in uh the games that i personally look at when i look to when i look to buy them um i've been very lucky for where where SDHQ has gone, that I've gotten more opportunities than I ever thought I would possible to be able to play games that I generally wouldn't think of on there. Like I uh, getting high on life, like that was a a press key that I got and that blew my mind and being, being able to, to try it and find the settings for it. It kind of, I think made a lot of people that I talked to decide to buy it on steam because I was able to confirm that not only does it work, but it's playable. And, you know, it's definitely something that I look at when I look at, like, games that I want to buy personally. It needs to be able to run on the deck. I don't think I could buy a Steam game that, that won't run on there now. I would agree, yeah. I'm at the place now where I'm also deciding to buy games that are Steam versus other places, because, like, even some of the some of the things that you have in the, the Steam library... Sh- like Steam family sharing, we're able to share libraries is really cool. And there's certain aspects oh, yeah. of the fact that like, at least if I buy it from Steam, I have a little bit more reassurance that it may possibly work at some day or there's enough people behind it. So I, I have some games on like the Epic store on GLG, but I don't know if I'm going to actually go into those. In fact, I may rebuy them on Steam because I mean, I'm looking at my library. I've had games in there that I have owned since the original orange box came out heck the first game (laughs) i played was half-life 2 when the original steam valve launched Mm -hmm. or yeah when valve steam launched it for the original half-life 2 i'm playing games that i played and i've owned since then that is pretty dang incredible when you have another company that's like Closing down their, um, let's just say that their electronic shops, every single time one of their old consoles dies, they close down their shop. And Mm -hmm. it's not just the one that we're thinking of. There's also another company that you can um, go to a station to play games at 
if you get what I'm referring to, with all the PS3, Vita, oh, all yeah, those yeah. shops will go away too. I mean, whereas I'm still playing these games from Steam. The only thing games are gone is when the mm-hmm. developer truly pulls out of Steam and says, don't have it anywhere. Yeah. But yeah, it is pretty incredible. And I, I just, I'm not trying to like be like a fangirl about this, but it's, I am, <laughs> I'm just very impressed at the openness of a, of a console. And I wanted to say, it's also pretty cool. PlayStation, Sony, their games are Steam Deck verified. How yeah. cool they- is that? They, I know that they specifically, they, they do a great job optimizing for PC and they, they deserve so much kudos for that. I would have never imagined PlayStation ever doing that. No, no. I could never see a PlayStation game going anywhere other than PlayStation, kind of like Nintendo games. Same. But not only, not only did they take that leap onto PC, but they went all in. And I know that they have, they have been working really hard to, to prioritize PC almost as much as as PlayStation. I mean, look at look at the the Last of Us remake. Oh, They're, for every other game that they have brought over, it's usually been at least a year where it was on PlayStation consoles. Last of Us remake will mark the first game that has a six month difference, wow. and then it comes to then it comes to PC, which is insane. I'm so and excited I'm, about that. I'm willing to bet that they are doing their part to make it very playable on the Steam Deck. Now, that's in, in stark contrast contrast to Nintendo's attitude to Steam Deck. I Nintendo are not happy about it because, again, I don't want to bring you a wrath of Nintendo, but I think, <laughs> is it fair to say that because of, and it's something we'll, we'll try and talk about, the, the power of this system to emulate through... All the wonderful em- emulators, but I'd, I'd almost say particularly because of Emu Deck, Nintendo are not happy. And I, I, I can, I can understand why. They're, and Nintendo's always been so protective of their IPs. Like I don't, I think the first, honestly, the first game I ever really noticed where they let one of their IPs go to another developer was probably Mario Plus Rabbits. That's yes. the first like really big one where I was like, holy, how did they do that? Like, how could they have agreed to something like that? Not only that, Mario was holding a a device that could emulate or look like a gun. How would oh, they have allowed that? That's not like, Nintendo, like, yeah. Yeah, that's nothing like that. I love that they took that leap, and Mario Plus Rabbids was a great game. Like, So that de- definitely deserves some, some credit for allowing that. But it's unlike them. I don't know if they see the deck as a huge competitor, though. And one of the big things is that they are—they kind of go into two different markets, with the deck being closer to a PC that requires more tweaking, whereas a Switch is slightly cheaper, but you're getting an out-of-the-box experience for every game you play on there. It might not be the best out-of-the-box experience, but you don't have to worry about changing settings to make it run better. This is true. I mean, you know, when I didn't have any form of gaming system, I was able to play, and and still, I think my only copy of Doom Eternal at the moment is on the Switch. It plays okay. I'm definitely going to buy it, rebuy it for the Steam Deck. Uh, play, playing at 45 frames per second feels phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, Nintendo, as you said, have some amazing guy. Pete, look... I'm a huge Mario Kart fan. I, I just love um, the new Nintendo Switch Sports. is a great game. Uh, we're gonna I'm going to beat you Christmas. at Mario Kart on, on stream. Yes, you are. <laughs> Absolutely. But, 
you know, I think the reason they've maybe, you know, obviously they are protecting my IP is because Emu Deck has made it very, very easy to emulate a lot of Nintendo's consoles. Switch emulation apparently is very good on the deck. It is. I, I tend not to emulate Switch games just because, like we, we mentioned before, I, I want to support. I don't like the prospect of getting games that you don't own. Yeah. Um, so I do have one of my Switches is jailbroken. So I only use games that I dump from my purchase copies, which I would say is the only legitimate way to do it. I try not to, but that way I'm still buying the game and it is my copy of it. So. Yeah. I So my stance on this is, if there was a legitimate way to buy uh, the ROM or the, a copy of a game, I, I don't think it's wrong to dump stuff that you own, whatever that console. Mm-hmm. And there is a, uh, certainly, you know, I, I reference Amiga, but there's a lot of Amiga games. I think Team 17, for example, opened up all their old library into PD, into public domain uh, on the Amiga, and that's awesome. But, yeah, it is a tricky one, but I am so impressed with how well the deck handles emulation my former solution was a raspberry pi 3b plus worked okay the deck runs circles around it i think emulation hit me when i was getting sushi with my sister and i was playing kirby air ride from the gamecube on the deck while we were i i used to love that game so being able to play it on the deck while sitting down eating eating at a restaurant just phenomenal (laughs) <laughs> and here's one for you know that's maybe relevant because i know uh, obviously i'm gonna be streaming with jay in january jay's been a streamer y- you've been the streamer there's an element where actually it's probably easier to stream retro games from your steam deck than it is from the original hardware because of all the the, yes. the uh, fiddly stuff you need to get retro hardware captured oh yeah no Emulation is the way to go in that in that route. Like it's pretty incredible that like I can just plug in a capture card and I've got the Avermedia Live Gamer Mini and I have my HDMI for my Switch and my Steam Deck in that and instantly OBS sees that on a Mac. Even that's really cool because we've actually moved our architecture for streaming to Macs because I prefer working on a Mac and I also prefer how Macs handle audio. Like we're, 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 but yeah, it's just an, it's incredible all this stuff that you're able to do on a device this small, and mm-hmm. like the next time I I I go visit James, I'm going to bring my deck and I'll have my my um not only my all you need my game, but I'll also have a computer with me. <laughs> so be, before we wrap up, because I'm aware that Noah, we we have a, a little bit of a time constraint. We don't want to uh, keep you too long because you've got a few things you need to get to. One of the things that maybe we want to... We always like to look at both the positive and negatives of things on this show. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you think that Valve, may, Valve have maybe missed the ball on or things that maybe aren't as great? I mean, we've hinted at battery life, but is there anything that you think is a glaring problem on the, on the Steam Deck or things that Valve need to fix for the next revision? I, I, I'm refusing to say the word Steam Deck 2 but I'm going to say next revision. <laughs> so I, we all, one thing I also, it's more of a personal desire for me is the screen. Like I, I, it's a great screen. Don't get me wrong. But if you put it next to like an OLED switch, 
it, there's no comparison. The, the Switch takes it. And I do think, oh, it, while it won't help significantly, it could help with battery life using an OLED screen because of those true blacks. It doesn't actually need to use, you know. Well, it doesn't illuminate um, the screen, right? If it's, if it's a true black, yeah, it doesn't illuminate. It just illuminate. keeps it off. Yeah. So it would end up saving. It, it wouldn't be like a significant amount, but it's still something which on a device like this, anything that can conserve battery life is going to be a big, a big help. Honestly, I think I think Valve really did a great job with this first first version of it. I did touch on the controller issue with the B button and some of the some of the buttons do get stuck. Another thing that I noticed that I would really like them to do is actually change out the the joysticks because these ones are the same ones that are used in PlayStation controllers, in Nintendo Switch controllers, and they are subject to drifting. And I have I have gotten that from time to time on my right joystick, and it is possible to change them. I mean, like you can, like I mean, if you want to see insane changes, I mean, I, I don't really like promoting LTT, but they do some crazy videos of. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get the new backpack at LTT store. Like, <laughs> oh, we can have a crosswire store one day. You will, Jay. <laughs> Jay put something into our show notes. I, uh, you know, as I maybe off, and I do apologize. We rambled a little bit tonight, but our final talk. I do you remember the old steam machines? Mm-hmm. I think Valve have come a long way since those. Those were. I honestly, I honestly believe that I one of the biggest things was that Proton and like Steam OS was just not where it needs to be. I think now, if they tried to do it. I think it would be a bit more on the successful side just because of the advances that they've had with SteamOS 3.0 and Proton and keeping keeping it open as well. It should not be locked to just Steam. They should basically just make the Steam Deck but put it in a slightly bigger box with better hardware. I think I could I could see that. It, and it, it also has to be streamlined. It can't be like each manufacturer is making their own version of it with different internals. That's That was another big thing is there are too many choices. Absolutely. With the Steam Deck, it was three options. The only difference internally was the storage space. That's it. You're still getting everything else the same. They, they need to really put it down to something along those lines for a Steam machine. Yeah. I, I remember like basic, yeah. Three years ago, I was looking for a PC before I had the gaming PC. In fact, uh, both of my uh, PCs are now behind me, and they're going to be sold or donated and all that. But I remember I was interested at one point looking into a tiny machine, like one of those back when the, when the tiny machine boxes were big, and there were just too many options. And now plugging the Steam Deck into like my my monitor with this big picture mode in a way, yeah, I see the f- the future. I see the next Steam console already in the way that's a good you know when we think what the sort of form factor maybe maybe smaller but the mm-hmm. nvidia shield tv oh. sort of size or uh, you know if i they, mean if they were able to do that i that would be that would be very i i would be interested to see how how it would come out like that and what the power would be if they if they did something like that. Cause I would, I think for steam machines, I would like them to be more powerful than something like the deck. Yeah. Since it's not a portable yeah. device, but still keep it small enough to where you can just take it with you. Like, and be able to just like put in a backpack with the plugs and then be able to take that wherever you go. Kind of like the deck. It just needs, you know, an output. 
I think if they if they could do that and make it into a more portable form factor, but still still increase the power of it, so it would be able to handle more games at you know with better performance, that would be that would be a success to me. I I, I can wholeheartedly agree um, with you on that. Well, well, no, I just want to, um, or James, do you have something more to say? Cause I was, I was going to, no, no, I, I was literally going to ask you to, to wrap this up Perfect. and get Noah yeah. to get his plugs in and stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. So, well, Noah, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and we're definitely going to have you back on because we've had a great time and, uh, I just, I know we can talk for hours more. And so there'll be, <laughs> yeah. there'll be more about this proton. I, I want to have, have if, back if on. If I, again. if I didn't, if I didn't need to go get my car, I'd be, I'd be, we'd be still be talking. There would be oh, no yeah. time constraint at all. <laughs> But for, for while while you're zooming out of here for for our listeners who want to like find out more about you or or where you're at, can you let us know where we can find um, SDHQ, where we can find your, yeah. your your master on everything? So basically, you know, we're a website first, so you could always go to steamdeckhq.com. That's going to be where uh, you get all of our news, game reviews, everything all in one place. That's our main main way of going about that at the top right you'll see all of our social media links so um mastodon is steam deck hq we are still on twitter i know everything that's going on with it right now but uh, it's kind of hard to move away as that's where we started and that's where we focused like all of our efforts so on twitter it's also steam deck hq we're also on YouTube under SDHQ and Twitch, I think, is under Steam Deck HQ. I haven't started streaming yet through through the project yet, but I plan to very soon as um, I've been talking to Sega and Bandai Namco about a couple of things upcoming. So Ooh. hopefully we'll be able to – hopefully I put in <laughs> I, – I filled, I filled the stuff I need to fill out. So um, hopefully I'll be able to – I'll be able to bring down. I have many ideas for that kind of stuff too. And those are, those are the big ones. We also do steam curator. Like we put all of our stuff on steam curator, though that's under deck HQ. I would say that's, that's like the ones we also have an Instagram that I need to use more, but you know, <laughs> it's there. And, and am I right? It's okay to, sh- to share because I, I saw in a public post, you're also working on a, on a plugin for SDHQ to put on the, on the deck, which you have one right now through yes. crankshaft, but you're working on one for the decky loader. And that is incredible. Like I just, yeah. I love that while I'm browsing the steam marketplace, I can see all this other information at the same time. That's really cool. No, it's, no, it, what, what deck you can do is just really, really phenomenal. And I, I like Crankshaft a lot. I think it's easier to install, and it has some other aspects to it that I think put it a little bit above, like the recapture tool where you can actually record your your deck while you're playing without needing a capture device or being able to install uh, other versions of the Proton compatibility layer in gaming mode. I think those those, those are really cool, but... With Decky Loader being able to utilize the quick access menu the way you can, the CSS loader to change the themes of the deck, um, it, it, it really does feel like it has a huge one-up. And being able to add our being able to add our work to that list is going to be is going to be pretty phenomenal. Like we're really excited about it. Oh, it's so cool. No, generally, no, it's been a pleasure, and congratulations on six months. I mean. I think to, it's fair to say that the Steam Deck has captured so much in tech journalism. It's why we got excited about it. And there's so much content 
out there but it's great to have you on the show we will absolutely have you on again um we we face the same challenge by the way with twitter me and jay have actually been having debates and um i think actually as we record this to a day or so ago they did that silly alternative social media profiles nonsense and then walked it back but we were like yeah we're we're, we're ready to to leave twitter um but hey i don't we need to we still need to talk about that but yeah, thank you, Noah. In the end, I, I completely understand that. I completely understand that decision. You know, the way the way I try to look at it, at least regarding Twitter, is I I try to look at it as a more professional stance. Like while my personal feelings are, you know, one way or the other, you know, Steam Deck HQ is there to just talk about games and the Steam Deck, you know? And that's it. I'm not gonna get into any political debates or, you know, personal feelings through there. This is just a you know, talk about what we love. It's know? an announcement point, right? It's a it's a content strategy. I think that's. I think Jay's. If I say that's probably going to be our standpoint too. Yeah, because like I'm, I'm fine keeping our crosswires there. I privated my Twitter account because the fact that Twitter moderation. Oh, oh sorry. Did you say stop, James? No, I said same. Oh yeah, see, so yeah, I, I privated my, <laughs> I privated my Twitter because, um. Twitter's moderation policies before they fired most of their moderation team was awful for me as a trans woman. I could, I can't even imagine what I, what happened now. I was like, I'm off to Macedon. Bye-bye. Yep. Honestly, anyway, I, I completely get it. So I do, but yeah, thank you so much. And just like the, the, the holodeck on the enterprise, our credits have, have run away. I was trying to add a duck fund, but thank you so much. Uh, that, <laughs> thank you that, guys for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to next time. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Noah. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cross Wires. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So please drop us a note over to podcast at crosswires.net. You can also drop us a comment on the post or if you're a good pod user, why not start a discussion there too? You can also join our new Discord server at crosswires.net forward slash Discord. We've got forum channels for each episode and we'd love you to join the discussion there. You can also follow us on Mastodon at crosswires at masthead.social. And of course, you can find the show in all the good podcast apps and all the really bad ones too. If you'd like to check out more of our content, head on over to crosswires.net slash YouTube for all our videos and keep an eye on our Twitch channel at crosswires.net slash live our upcoming streams if you like what you heard please do drop a review in your podcast directory of choice it really does help spread the word about the show and of course if you can spare even the smallest amount of financial support we'd be incredibly grateful you can support us at ko-fi.com slash crossed wires that is ko-fi.com slash crossed wires until next time thanks for listening